The content here is for informational purposes only and should not be taken as medical advice. Please consult a healthcare professional with any medical questions and concerns. If you are experiencing an emergency or need immediate help, call 911. In no way does listening, reading, emailing, or interacting on social media with our content establish a therapeutic relationship. I just get so angry. It's hard to sit still. I don't want to be this way. My brain just feels all scrambled. Hello and welcome to Scrambled. I'm your co-host, Chad Douglas. And I'm Nikki Shields. This is episode 27, Dealing with Difficult People. Yeah, and before we get into dealing with difficult people, because I think this is something every, everyone can learn, um, and maybe we even talk about what if you are the difficult person? Let me get some <laughs> tips there. But I want to I clarify something um, or get a little bit more advice since our last episode of uh, going back to school. We talked about the need to prepare your students with anxiety about going back and explain like you're going to do this and get this together and all that. My wife and I kind of apparently over prepared our child um, because in a therapy appointment, he let us know he was not having it. And our therapist was like, okay, you guys might've jumped the gun a little bit and let the kid enjoy summertime and maybe start talking about school once we get to August or a couple weeks out instead of so much. So, so can you clarify a little bit of that or, or I don't know, go, yep, good point. <laughs> no, yes, that is absolutely a good point. I mean, it, there is such a thing as being overprepared. And especially with kids with anxiety, sometimes the more time and energy and attention you give something, the more they, you know, have more time, energy and attention they have on that subject to get kind of worked up about it or to get kind of freaked out about mm -hmm. things that maybe they hadn't even thought about yet. And so it is really tricky. And I think it's, you know, it's a kid to kid basis. You have to figure out the right okay. fit for your kid. So if you've got, you know, if you get started at the beginning of August, cause I think, you know, most schools kind of start up mid August somewhere in there. And if the beginning of August, you're, you know, doing, going through the routines, you're starting to get back onto your schedule, like maybe a little bit earlier bedtime, um, you're gathering school supplies, you're taking tours, you're going through some of those things that we talked about last time, then that gives the child plenty of time. Um, but much before that, you know, the kids are like, it's summer, I want to enjoy summer. And so you want to kind of honor that too. With some kids with anxiety, August 1st might even be a little too soon that maybe okay. just, you know, a week or two before classes start that you you start to introduce them to the subject but you you have to know your kid and take their feedback so like if your child told you hey listen back off this is a little too much right now take that as a gift and go thank you we will yeah. okay we'll try again you know but then get his input what date you think we should start look at the calendar what date would be a good date for you to start getting ready to go back okay. um and as long as they don't say never you know you're you're doing okay i apparently my wife and i don't know our son because that's i mean i was not reading any of his cues uh until we got to the therapy appointment and then the fire erupted so <laughs> which i'm glad it happened there and not at the restaurant but that's so common because the things that that like kids aren't awesome at letting us know what they're going through and oftentimes mm -hmm. it erupts out at an unexpected time and so that doesn't mean you don't know him it just means that he was having a hard time putting into words the message he needed you to get and he needed his therapist to help you know articulate that and and bring that to the surface and so nothing wrong with that that's that's actually a great outcome so yeah, I remember, and I've mentioned this before, my daughter was in the NICU for eight weeks when she was born prematurely, and they actually did have a sign because you're sitting there with, you can't really communicate with an infant, or so you would think, much less one that's born, you know, 10, 11 weeks earlier or sooner, but they actually did. The, the NICU staff there would tell us when they splay their hands out, that kind of tells them, 
I'm not liking this or anything. Cause sometimes you do things to the babies and they don't like it, but it needs to be done. And so you would see that little hand splay. So it's like, it would be nice if they get older and get communication uh, qualities that they could tell you not a good time. Let's, let's revisit this. <laughs> just, just kind of keep that hand splay thing going. I think I'm going to teach my kids <laughs> that when it's too much, I just want you to spread your hands out. But I, I think you can kind of build in some communication for that. Like after this experience where he shared this with you in a therapy session, you can say, Hey kiddo, you know, if that's happening again, how could you let us know what would be something that we should watch for as your parents to know that we're going too far too fast, you know, and that kind of mm -hmm. goes back to the thing I've said several times that, you know, you, you push your kids when they have the skills and support to do the thing, but you also want to give them the communication tools so they can let you know when they've kind of like crossed a line or when they're not mm -hmm. quite ready for whatever's happening. And it's, it's, it's a dance. <laughs> it's, mm -hmm. it's up and down. And every time you think you've got it figured out, kids are going to, you know, level up and you're going to have to catch up. And when you have two left feet like yours truly, that dance is not fun. No. Nope. Something else we have to take care of is um, our last episode, you, Professor Nikki, gave us some homework, and mm, that was to review two podcasts ourselves. That way, when we ask for our listeners to review our podcast, we can go, yeah, we, we know what you did. So I will go first. I reviewed two podcasts. One is my absolute favorite one that I look forward to every single week, and it's called Smartless. So, and it's actors, uh, Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and Sean Hayes, and they just interview celebrities, and it's out every Monday, and it's absolutely hysterical. Um, I enjoy it, so I rated that one and reviewed that one, rather. And then the other one I reviewed was one of our friends, we, we've referred to him in past episodes as Podcast Chris. He and Travis Hoffman have one together called Wild Quincy, and it's stories about our hometown or where we live, Quincy, Illinois, of things that happened in the past, and I enjoy that one as well. So I gave those fine folks a nice review. Now your turn. Okay, so confession time. Uh, I did not... <laughs> do my self-induced homework assignment. Oh, I did no. listen to podcasts since last we met, but I forgot that I had said that. So I, what I'm saying is that I have some empathy for folks who maybe thought, oh, sure, I'd love to do a review and then maybe didn't because it's easy to forget. But I mean, I love Smartless and that's another one that mm -hmm. I listened to and one I would definitely have done a review of if I had in fact remembered that that was what I said to do. Um, the other one that I would revi uh, review would be the Parenting Survival Podcast with Natasha mm -hmm. Daniels. I really mm -hmm. like that one. And then um, Star Talk with uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson would be one. Okay. These were all the ones I had in mind that I was going to review. And I, I've listened to them. I didn't review, but I will. So I do what I say I'm going to do. And I, it just sometimes takes me a minute. So I just want to say, listeners, I get it. So I good. Understand. And then since since you forgot the homework, you would do three. I did two, which was the assigned um, assignment, assigned assignment. That's also redundantly redundant. But there we go. <laughs> All right. I think we've officially crossed the line now and we can move straight into episode 27 of Dealing with Difficult People. And my first question for you is how do you define a difficult person? So I was actually thinking a lot about this one when I was mentally preparing for this episode, because I, I think it's difficult is in the eye of the beholder. So yes. for some people, children, especially difficult could simply be someone who thinks differently or believes differently. Mm -hmm. Difficult could be someone who is maybe rigid. Uh, difficult could be someone who just doesn't um, give, say, compliments or isn't quick to like 
be friendly or fun or open, right? So it, it kind of depends on the person. And so for the purposes, I thought it would be good if we started in this episode with like, what is our definition? What do we mean by that? What type of situation are we trying to help kids with? And I I think a good definition would be like somebody who is not thinking and behaving in an expected way or somebody who's, you know, like somebody's normal behaviors and actions just aren't being received in the way that you think they're going to. Well, and sometimes there's people that do think the way you do and you get along with, but they're having a bad day and they become a difficult person temporarily. So mm-hmm. we, can, we can talk a little bit about both. And I also think it's important to note here, since this is a children's mental health podcast, we talk about dealing with difficult people being children, but children deal with difficult adults as well. And so we can maybe give a little bit of advice on both. Um, if you want, let's start with the kiddos. And since this is a back to school issue, we're going into school here soon. And if you deal with a difficult peer, someone who's of your age or, or a little older or, or whatnot, and they, they give you some difficulty, what are, what are some ways we can handle that so we don't get in trouble or don't do anything we regret? Okay. That's, that's a good way to put it. Cause, cause I always, I mean, I tell kids, you know, you're going to encounter people who don't respond the way you want them to, or, or, you know, they, they don't think like you do or behave like you do, but like your success does not depend on them. So even if you're encountering a peer or a teacher or an adult in your life that, that is, you know, tripping you up a little bit, that like that, that doesn't mean you have to throw away your success or, you know, that you're not dependent on that person to be happy and healthy and functional. Right. So I'll give some examples of what I mean. Like if, if a child encounters somebody who we might define as a bully, right. Somebody who's Mm -hmm. older has more of a, like a power, um, uh, like either height you know, is older, more intelligent, bigger, that kind of thing. Um, and they're, they're being unkind in a, in the way that a bully might, you know, the, the best thing for a kid to understand, uh, and really this takes a while, but helping the kid to understand that it's not about them, that, that, that bully is not and not intentionally targeting that person. It's, it's about something going on within that bully. And even if this, if your child or a child over and over again is getting sort of picked on or, or even bullied, yeah, just if they're over and over again bullied by the same child, helping them to understand and sort of step outside of their own experience and realize that that kid is doing that because of something within them, something within the bully, not within the 100% child. of the time? It's I, I think there are them? kids who maybe open themselves up to being bullied who might have more of like a target on okay. their back, so to speak, Because, and we'll talk about that in a second, but um, but like typically speaking, the child doing the bullying is, is, is trying to correct for something going on in their life, something that they're struggling with. They're taking out some frustration that they're gaining somewhere else in their life. And so helping the child to disconnect and be like, it's, it's not my fault. Like, and I don't know, like, I, I kind of want you to pick that apart because I, I do think that there are lots of circumstances that might fall outside of that. But I just know that I often start with, let's look at what's going on for the bully. Let's yeah. look at what might be like empathy again. Yeah. And I, I mean, full disclosure, I was never bullied as a child. Um, hopefully I didn't bully anyone else. I mean, I have kind of a sarcastic sense of humor. And as I've gotten older, I've looked back at things I've said to people as a joke that was like, that was probably kind of hurtful for them. So I don't have a whole lot of experience in this. I do have a child who um, claims that they were bullied, whether or not it was. And that was one question I have for you to discuss is how do you differentiate, especially as a child, whether someone's teasing you versus picking on you, versus bullying you. Maybe it's a member of the opposite sex and they like you, but in order to do that, they're kind of teasing you a little bit, but it's hurting your feelings because they don't know they're doing it. So how do you, where's that line that says, this is a problem. This is something I need to take to an adult. 
Well, and and this is there's there's some stuff that's pretty clear cut in this, and there's also some stuff that's really really gray. And so, like you just mm-hmm. gave a good example of like say it's somebody that's flirting, but they don't know that what they're doing is actually hurtful or embarrassing or whatever. And I I remember that in sixth grade there was a kid that you know he would like take my things or he would like try to trip me as I walked by, and I just remember thinking this guy is such a jerk. And you know, I found out later that you know. And, he had like a little sixth grade crush and got mm-hmm. me a Valentine card and all that. So like it, you know, there is a thin line between kids who just don't know how to show how they feel or kids who aren't communicating well or maybe lacking skills themselves and, you know, truly just being mean. The Conscious Discipline folks have a really good video called How to Make a Bully from Scratch. I'm going to link that in the show notes. And okay. it's it's a very eye-opening view of what it means to be bullied and where that comes from. And I I will say trigger warning, if you choose to watch this video, it's available on uh, YouTube as well as the Conscious Discipline website. It's it's deep. It shows the development of both the bully and the child that's bullied and the circumstances that kind of lead to that. And so it's it's a really interesting view. And I I believe that, you know, parents and educators everywhere should should view that because Hmm. I think it it helps you to kind of step back and look at what's contributing because a bully, a child at school who's bullying, is not just a bad kid. You know, it's not just about right. discipline. There's there's other things going on. That child is hurting or that child is lacking supports or lacking skills or has been traumatized themselves. And so that's that's why my go-to with kids who are getting picked on is to start with a sense of like, well, what do you think is going on for that other child? Because when you can depersonalize that and be like, oh, well, they have problems too, you know, or they're having a hard time, or, you know, this is this is him or her not knowing how to deal with their stuff. It does make it easier to not personalize everything that child does. A really important piece of dealing with difficult people is kids beginning to recognize what they're contributing to the situation. So even though like being bullied isn't the fault of the person being bullied, how they respond absolutely Mm -hmm. can like lead to further treatment of the same kind or an escalation of things. And so really kind of giving them those tools of like helping them to reflect on it. You know, um, if you do this and you respond in this way, that makes that person like push a little harder or get a little bit meaner. Um, and, And this is tough. Like this is such a hard subject. And I just have to kind of confess right now that I'm nervous talking about it because mm-hmm. there are so many different opinions on how it should be handled. And there's so many things to consider when it comes to helping kids with bullies. And I know in, you know, working with children, oftentimes, you know, you can give the kids all the skills in the world, but if they don't have a support person at school who recognizes what's going on and can be there for them in that moment, they can't be successful in implementing the things that you've been talking about in therapy or that their parents have, you know, asked them to try and that kind of thing. So it's, it's, it's actually really difficult to do, you know, this topic because I know that even, even the ideas that we might have, some of it's really hard to implement. I, some advice that I give my kid and feel free to tell me that it's wrong and I shouldn't share it with the, the podcast listeners because I don't know, it's my first go around as a, as a parent, is I, I tell them one of two things, either laugh if they're teasing you, even though it hurts inside, if they know it bothers you, then they're going to egg it on with more. But if you laugh mm-hmm. with them, and that came from actor Tim Allen um, when <laughs> he was in prison, he, they, he said that's what got him through was like people would bully him and be mean to him. He's like, I just laugh or make a joke about himself. And that kind of helped quell that. And the other thing is just to go, <laughs> okay, and walk away. Don't mm-hmm. let them know it, it hurts you. That's nope. hard to do. 
It's so hard. And I do a lot of, you know, teaching kids to be really bored with the the annoying behaviors of others, like, ugh, like I don't have time for this. And and mm-hmm. that helps. And the humor is a really good one. Um, there's another guy, and I'll link some stuff of his in the show notes too, but Brooks Gibbs, um, he goes around, he, he talks to kids at schools, he does assemblies and whatnot about bullying, about standing up for yourself, about self-esteem. Um, there's probably a whole lot of other subjects. I'm probably not doing him much justice in my brief description, but uh, he is he is really big on um, youth issues and just helping people to feel confident enough to respond in a way that, you know, kind of shuts down the other person. And I love his example. So I'll link some of those, but he's big on humor and sort of accepting what the unkind person is saying, not fighting back against it. Like an example might be, you know, somebody says, "Uh, I hate your face. Thank you. You know, like, Mm -hmm. and, but like teaching the child that you're not saying you also hate your face. You're just not giving them any power in that moment. You're not allowing right. them to continue on that path. Um, and sometimes if it's done well, like that turns things around and you can end up with two kids being friends after something like that because, you know, now they can now they can laugh about this thing that happened. But uh, but it is tricky. I also think just before you move on really real quick, I think it also throws the other person for a loop. They're expecting mm-hmm. you to come back hurt or cried or upset and you've agreed with them. So now they, they don't know what to do. Yeah. So it, it, it kind of gives you a little bit of an upper hand. It does. It's it's such a surprising response. Like, yeah. wait, what? I thought you were going to be mad at me. And that's, right. that's one of the things Brooks Gibbs does is he's, he does like a little role play with one of the students in front of the whole audience. And and he's like, I want you to be mean to me. All right. I want you to be mean to me. Um, and I'm going to try to make you stop. Okay. Say anything you want. I'm going to try to make you stop. And so he, he, do, he does two different versions. And the first is like, you know, he just takes it. And the person just keeps going and it escalates. And the the next one, he like fights back and then it gets worse. And then, and then he does what he recommends, which is kind of rolling with it and laughing and pushing mm-hmm. it back and not letting it be, you know, powerful. And it's just fun to watch this kid who's trying really hard to be mean, be like shut down in their tracks. And they're like, thank you. <laughs> like, like, it's a really good one. So I hope I can find that video and share that with folks because it, it is the perfect example of what we're talking about in terms of giving kids skills they can actually use. Um, Empathy is a really good start because we want them to understand that like it really isn't about them in that moment. Mm-hmm. But then second is what can you do to try to short circuit the action? And then third is really like looking at, am I doing anything that's like making people target me? Am I yeah. interrupting all the time? Am I, you know, acting in a certain way that's drawing this kind of attention? And, and that's harder to do with kids because they not, by nature don't always have that much insight yet. Well, and, and they're little humans that are trying to learn the ways of the world. You know, you and I have it all figured out clearly. Um, mm. But these little beings are, they're, they're learning things. They're learning social structure. They're learning um, like uh, in the family, like the wolf pack where I belong in, in, in the pack, so to speak. And, and just kind of the nature of society. So it, that's a lot. And then to, yeah. to be quick witted or to be quick on your feet like that and come back with a, a surprising answer Mm-hmm. Is probably not going to happen, but I mean, I think yeah. it's a good conversation to have and, and at least try to get, yeah, get and it through a, to them. To as a parent, story. we can do role play with that. Like we can, we mm-hmm. can practice with them and we can, you know, here, I'm going to be mean to you. You try to stop me. You know, like you can, you can do that with your kids to give them on their feet practice. The thing to remember is that like, is they might have it figured out in your little role play and they might know what to do and they might be able to recite back to you. Hey, this is what I'm going to do the next time this happens. But when they're in it, it's fight or flight and they're not using yeah. the part of their brain that practice that skill. Right. They're using their, their reactive brain. And so, you know, that's why I get sad when I think about, you know, like 
kids who maybe don't have that support person at school um, or who don't, you know, who don't feel comfortable reaching out to school staff because they need someone there to interject at that moment. And that's not always yeah. possible for lots of reasons that we've talked about on previous episodes. And so I think kids, kids and kids being mean to other kids is really, really tough. And I think the most important message we can teach them is that like you are always 100 percent of the time going to encounter people that are difficult for whatever reason. Sometimes it's because mm -hmm. they're mean and sometimes it's because they're different. And sometimes it's because they just, you know, they think or act differently than you do. And it's your job to be successful anyway and to keep going and to move yeah. forward and not let them stop you. And that's easier said than done. And as, as I, I teach my uh, kids that I teach with the sports balls, the coach part of it is you control you. You can't control that the, the, team we're playing against is a year older and their legs are longer and they've got a faster stride. What you can control is how you handle that and how hard mm -hmm. you play the game. So it's kind of the same way. If somebody says something mean to you, it's how you handle it in that situation. That's going to make you the better person. Yep. yep. Something else that's hard as an adult is when my kids will come home and, and tell me something and I'll come back with a quick witted that in my head. And then I'm like, Oh, I really want to tell them, but it's like, that's not the right thing to do to, to, to fight back. But that's a yeah. kind of a hard struggle. But again, I've, I've got the, the tools in my toolbox to, to cut that off. I've got the gatekeeper up there. That's good. Well, cause oftentimes it's like, do what I say, not what I do. Yeah. Because we don't. Yeah. And remember they're but always watching you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and okay. So that's a really good lead in to something I wanted to say, which is children are going to deal with difficult people the way their parents deal with difficult people. And so mm -hmm. if you are really, really aggressive in how you deal with difficult people, I don't care what you're telling them. They're going to be really aggressive when dealing with difficult people. If you are really passive and you're apologizing to the wall when you run into it and whatnot, they're going to be that way too. And so, you know, if you're seeing some concerns with how your children are responding to the difficult people in their lives, look in the mirror and see what you might be contributing <laughs> to that. <laughs> um, because, you know, you're, you're teaching with every action that you carry out. Yeah. When, and as a communication major in uh, college, actions speak louder than words. Like 75 to 80% of your communication is nonverbal. I'll say that That's again, right. 75 to 80% of your communication is nonverbal. Because people think they talk, right. they communicate, but wow, facial expressions, body language, even just noises like a sigh or something, man, actions speak louder than words. So hmm. let's talk a little bit then about if your child has a difficult adult in their life, if they, a person at school, hopefully, like you said, they've got that support person at school and hopefully that is not the difficult person. But if they're in a, a classroom or a counselor or whatever, that's just doesn't jive with your child. That's got to be hard because now you've got a person in authority that's difficult to deal with. Yeah, this is this is uh, difficult people, but like double whammy because you you know you're you, we're supposed to teach our kids to kind of look to authority, to look to adults, to you know. But like if that person is their obstacle, then who do they go to? And so I think there's lots of possible outcomes. And you know, I will kind of stick with the thing I've said before: if they have the skills and the support push them through the difficult thing and have them continue to move forward. If they lack the skills, they lack the support, you don't think, you know, then sometimes getting the child into a situation that's away from that difficult adult is, is probably in their best interest. Um, I think that most adults can look back on someone that was difficult for them. Like I think of some teachers I had that mm -hmm. were very, very hard that didn't get me, or maybe, you know, I remember one like did a lot of like, um, I don't want to say public humiliation. That's a little too strong. But like their teaching method was to call you out and like yeah. compare you to your peers and do and like that did not go well for me. That was not a I, I did not handle that well as an anxious kid. So I had a lot of anxiety about that 
instructors classes and that kind of thing. And um, so there's going to be that kind of thing. But like, I also can look back and be like, yeah, those classes made me a little tougher. They made me realize mm -hmm. that like, I can be successful and get really good grades, even if I don't prefer the instructor's, you know, approach and that kind of thing. So I got through it, you know, nobody, nobody bailed me out of it, but, but it really wasn't fun, you know? And so I, I think sometimes it's okay to stick it out with a difficult adult. Sometimes you need that. But if I couldn't handle it, if it was causing me to, you know, turn inward or struggle to be successful in the class, or, you know, if I was having outward changes in my behavior and emotions, you know, I like losing to think sleep, losing sleep, not eating, you know, like risk of self-harm, increased depression, you know, anxiety that was keeping me from going to school, like things like that. My parents would have said, ah, this isn't a good fit. And, you know, I would have probably even moved to another class and that kind of thing. And so um, there are times when you should do that. Your, your child's well-being should not plummet because of a difficult person. We want to start with teaching the children that are dealing with difficult adults that like that's just one obstacle in their obstacle course of life, right? That, you know, their job is to just figure out the best way to kind of get through this because it's going to make them tougher and they can be successful, even though that person might be kind of a pain for them. But if you're seeing any of those red flags we just listed, um, deteriorating mental or physical health because of this person, like that's where you need to get other people involved and you absolutely, but that's not a situation where you push your child to get through it anyway. That makes total sense. And I will just throw in to, to maintain a, a calm composure and, and follow the proper chain of command. Um, mm -hmm. You want things done quickly because your child could potentially be at harm, but you know, Check your emotions at the door, another common theme in our episodes. And I also throw out this because I have a friend who is a kindergarten teacher. And she told me once when she was my son's kindergarten teacher, and she told me um, after he shared in the share chair that dad slammed his head against the ground be, uh, to brush his teeth when I obviously had a different version of that story. <laughs> she said, she's like, Chad, we, we believe about 30% of what we hear at school as long as you extend the same mm -hmm. uh, courtesy. And I was like, got you. And I've never yes. forgotten that. It's like, you know, if, if the kid comes home and says something, it's like, you know, yeah. I think it's important to realize that, you know, because I think parents are often fearful of like what stories go to the daycare provider or what stories go to school. And, yes. and they're used to hearing all kinds of wild and crazy things. And we should be too. And we should believe our kids and we should listen to them, but we should also understand that that's one version of the story. And so I think that's such an important thing to bring up when we're talking about difficult adults. If your child is coming to you and they don't like this teacher and they don't feel like this teacher or, or staff person at school, whoever it is, likes them, they're going to be very, very negative about that. They're going to have a lot of negative things to yes. say. And it, it may be a hundred percent true, but my guess is a little bit of it is like painting this, this picture, this very negative, because that's how they feel. And so the better thing right. to focus on is the feeling underneath it. And, you know, if your child, if there's no evidence that the child is being physically or emotionally abused, like obviously those would be reasons to, to take yeah. a much different action, but, you know, focus on the fact that this child is feeling helpless. This child is feeling unliked. This child is feeling unencouraged. Those are the things we want to address and try to find solutions to. Um, getting up in the content, getting all tangled up in the content of what they're sharing isn't necessarily the most productive way to get through it. And I think that's a good lesson to learn too. It doesn't mean that that's a bad teacher or a bad person. That's just not a good fit for your child. As you grow up and become an adult, you're going to work with people and have to deal with people who just aren't a good fit, but you can kind of work around stuff like that. So it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword of, of you want them to learn something from it. But you also, you know, don't want them to self-harm themselves or, or think badly of themselves because of what they hear. So, yeah, because we're supposed to face challenges, but we're sure. not not supposed to be like stopped in our tracks and disabled by them. Right. Know? Right. And I think for the scariest words when your kids are in elementary school is there's the share chair when you go in to see the classroom, like, oh, my God, the share chair. <laughs> what are you, <laughs> you going to share? Ah. Um. <laughs> 
let's go since we're talking back to school your kiddo comes home from being at school and says to you there's a kid who's being mean to me there's an adult that's saying this what's your reaction as a parent i'm gonna tell you what you should do not necessarily what would like come out of what my you mouth would do? first okay yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what you should do is a whole lot of listening right you should okay. be asking open-ended questions tell me more about that oh gosh that must have been hard what'd you do next who was around? How did that feel? What did, what did, you know, what face was that person made? Like any sort of question you can ask to keep them talking, to, to take it back to like their role in the situation and to just gather as much, you know, context as you can, because I think that helps you to kind of make decisions on is what happened unreasonable? Is what happened something that needs to be addressed with the school? Or is this something that like my child just needs to develop further skills? And I will say mm -hmm. that there's a bunch of gray area there. Um, mm -hmm. Your child probably does need to develop further skills because they're kids and that's kind of what their job, like where they're supposed right. to be gathering skills. But um, but some situations they do need you to advocate a little more actively. And so you just, you just want to ask as many questions as you can, you know? And so when I said, don't do what I do, do what I say in this case, I like my instinct, the first time my kid came home and told me that somebody was mean was like, I want their name. I want their address. I want their parents' name. And then where's my keys? I have, I'm the good, you know, like you just, you know, you want to protect your child and you don't want to think that somebody out there is being mean to them. That is not okay. Right. But right. I have learned over time. I'm picturing that. you, the scene from a uh, first blood part two, where Rambo comes up out of the Creek and he's like tying the, the, the headband around <laughs> his head and he does it real tight and then puts like the black eye underneath and everything. That's Rambo. Nick yeah, that's, going after the, that was, that was there. me when my oldest was in first grade. <laughs> I was like, I want names. I want addresses. I am going to handle <laughs> My husband's like, or, or we could, or you know, find out a little bit more about it. Sit down, hand me your keys, you know? So, so don't do that, but like get as much information and context as you can. Um, you want the conversation to kind of surround the idea that like that your child is going to encounter something like that in the future. Like, what do you wish you had done differently? You know, cause all of us have that, like after something happens, we, we kind of like, yeah. Oh, I wish I had said, or I wish I had done kids have that. I think that's right? called and regret. So, it's, called, it's called reflection. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but it could turn into regret if you never okay. have the chance. So in this case, the perfect, you know, point made, we want them to reflect so they don't have regrets so that mm. the next time something's similar, because it will come up again. If it didn't go well the first time, it's going to happen again. And so if they have the opportunity to, to sort of go, okay, well, if I had a chance to do it over again, here's what I would have said, or here's what I would have done. And have them kind of practice that with you because that's going to make a big difference. Um, but if it is something where it's, it's like physical harm, a threat, uh, anything involving like weapons or death or sex or anything that just is just not okay. And your child's giving you enough ten, uh, like information to know, Hey, I need to do something. It's time to like call someone, call the school, call the teacher, get more information and see what's going on. Interesting. You talk about talking with your children and, and doing that. Cause I think that's kind of a skill on its own and coming up later uh, this month or early next month, we're going to have an episode dedicated specifically on how to talk with your children effectively. Yes, we're going to have an amazing guest who has written a book about talking with children and is just an expert on the subject. And so I'm really, really excited to get into that and give you know, some, some really good ideas and tips for how to have really quality conversations with our kids. So Yeah, that's going to be a good episode. I'm looking forward to that as well. So as we wrap up episode 27, Dealing with Difficult People, Nikki, kind of sum up what we talked about, maybe give us three to four takeaways from this episode. Okay. All right. So difficult people are going to happen all throughout your lifespan. And if we as parents take the approach that, you know, our job is to help 
our kids learn to navigate that. Like at mm-hmm. every stage of the game, like every adult listening right now can list five or six people in their past and maybe a couple people in their present uh, that that have been difficult for them. And and my hope is that the majority of those folks have taught you something about yourself, mm-hmm. that they've given you a strength, a skill, something you might not have had if you hadn't encountered that individual. And so we want to look at difficult people with our kids in that same light of these are the folks who are going to help our kids build skills and become strong characters, right? But we also want to watch out for those red flags that that difficult person is is taking our child backwards and yeah. uh, harming them in a way that that is, you know, much more powerful. So um, difficult people happen as part of our journey, and we just need skills to navigate it. And just remember, too, as we've kind of mentioned before, like if you get a, a broken arm or a cut, you can cover it with a Band-Aid or a cast. You can't cover the the harm that's done um, inside your brain. So watch what people are saying to you, too, because that can have just as a detrimental of an effect as a broken bone or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, all right, well, we're going to wrap up our back to school series on our next episode, and we're going to talk about surprising things that can help your child with anxiety at school. Some things might surprise you, some might not. So as always, we appreciate you sharing our podcast with folks that you think can benefit from this. Our whole goal in starting this podcast was to start that conversation. We feel like we've started it and the conversation now continues with you.